When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by us, the team at Book Riot. Our event, Book Riot Live, is coming up November 12th and 13th in New York City. We're going to be there doing a live version of this podcast. It promises to be awesome. Walter Mosley will be there, Mara Wilson, Charlie Jane Anders, and so many other amazing authors and publishing industry pros and like a thousand book nerds who want to be your friend. So check out bookriotlive.com for the full information about the panels. Actually, those are still in process, but check out what we've got, party offsite events, all sorts of great stuff. BookRiotLive.com and use the offer code wheelhouse, all one word, to save $20 on your registration. This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 178. We're recording on Thursday, September 29th. I'm Jeff O'Neill. I'm here with Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from BookRiot.com. We got, hey, hey. we got a big anniversary coming up. We do. We're turning five. 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 It's not, no, it's, we're not turning five. We're not like leap year babies or one of those things. <laughs> the, the site, BookRiot.com, the URL went live. Um, as you're listening to this, Sunday, uh, Monday, uh, October 3rd is the five year anniversary of doing this. Five years, believe it or not. I, I can't believe it. I really can't. I can't. It's in, it's just unbelievable. We've been yeah. sort of kicking around stuff to do for the site. And I don't think we've got anything big planned, except we're going to round up some of our favorite, most what? popular posts, things like I that. Think, yeah. Our mutual tendency to not like make a thing of yeah. things works against us on occasions that are supposed to be momentous. Yes. We're like, oh, maybe we'll put a candle on a cupcake and mm-hmm. call it a day. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I did pull some stats from our first five years. I that saw I those. Give me, give me the highlights. It would you think? be interesting. So we have published, um, so we're recording on the 29th. So these stats are not going to be fully accurate for October 3rd, but we have published more than 15,600 posts. Mm. In five years, we've had more than 23 million visitors, different unique visitors have visited the site in uh, five years. And I got a rundown like and now we do, you know, we we see more than a million people a month. We have more than a million followers all across social. It's it's crazy. Like, I think I've talked before about remembering when Book Riot launched and I was just running social media, like just watching the traffic, Mm -hmm. hoping we would get to 2000 hits in a day. I know. Um, and that's like what we do. In what, like yeah. Now we do 40 times that uh, we did it's 40 just, times that yesterday. It's just bananas. Um, I rounded up some top 10 posts, mm-hmm. uh, in traffic and some of them have had fun internet moments connected yes. to like gifts from the internet. So the first one and is the first one is the most, but also probably the weirdest and like best internet story, um, is a post called 16 things Calvin and Hobbes said better than anyone else. Do you want to guess how many page views it has? I saw. I saw. saw. And I actually kind of know because I look at them every now and again. But almost 3 million page views. 2.9. page views. And it was like a throwaway post that somebody was working on. Ed McCracken wrote it when he didn't have an idea for something Mm -hmm. that was writing-y. So it was Calvin and Hobbes quotes. And it got picked up on... um, Google Plus. Google Plus. Started it. 
other discovery thing that people oh, uh, stumble upon. <laughs> yes, yeah, stumble upon. And then it went to Reddit and it's been like rediscovered. It came out in 20. We published it in 2012. Yep. We were all at our first book expo um, of being Book Riot. And it got like rediscovered um, several times, you know, over the course of its life. But that thing continues to get traffic. Hmm. Uh, do you know what the second most popular post has been? From there, it's hard to say for me. Um, it's probably one of those. We've gotten a few things that got really picked up on Reddit. Is it one of those? Yeah, it's one of those that got a Reddit bump. Uh, is, is it the Little Free Library one? No, it's on the list. It's on the list. So the second one is Louis C.K. in the Ah, uh, yes. Min. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, pictures of Louis C.K. with quotes from Catcher in the Rye. About one and a half million page views uh, to that. Nice. Yeah. The third is one that I wrote called America's Most Beautiful Public Library. Uh, yes. About the Kansas City Public Library. Oh, Wallace's uh, Library of the Rich and, Fa- Rich and Famous has to be up there, right? It's not. It's not really? Oh, that's it's not. Libraries of the Rich and Famous isn't. The fourth uh, most popular was My Little Free Library Was Violated, yeah, which was Swap's post. Um, the fifth one is the Secret Passage Bookshelves ah. post. Ten kick-ass Secret Passage Bookshelves. Then the last line of The Great Gatsby, a mm-hmm. post that Elizabeth Bastos search. wrote. That's a search one. Yes. Yeah, Several years yeah. ago, she wrote it uh, when the year of the movie was coming right. out and it got a ton of search engine uh, traffic. Last year, or maybe it was earlier this year, our own Kelly Jensen uh, put together a book drive for a school in South Carolina that was banning the book Some right. Girls Are by, by Courtney, Courtney Summers. Summers yeah. That uh, is on this most popular post list. That got a lot of internet traffic. And then Josh Corman's post. What I said when they came for The Handmaid's Tale, yeah. which is about how he as a teacher responded to parents who didn't want The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood to be taught in their school. That's number nine. And then The Coolest Bookshelves Ever mm. is number 10. I got to say, that's a pretty – it's not – I mean, the power law um, of popularity you know, that applies to movies and books and everything definitely applies to our own posts, right? Like mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot that do okay, some that don't do as well. And then the ones at the very top do orders of magnitude you know, that are multiple standards, you know, 10 standards of deviation bigger. But if you look at that list as a whole, it feels very book riot right? Like there's some social stuff, reading life stuff. Um, you know, just you know, look at this pretty library. Look at this thing, but here's a thing that's happening in the world of books that's uncool or cool. It it, it feels like a uh, a fairly. It's not a bad snapshot. It's not it's a, bad, not a snapshot. bad snapshot. No, I agree. I was thinking about that too. Um, when we launched, there were just a couple of us. I think it took like a year or so before I was full time. Now mm-hmm. we have twelve staff. Twelve full time staff. More than two hundred writers. We had ten at the beginning. <sighs> Crazy. Um, I write a lot. I, I was looking at my own writing stats. I wrote, I think, two to three posts a day in the early going. Mm-hmm. I think I have more than 2,500 posts myself now. <laughs> um, some of that is I do critical linking deal of the day every day. And then the pod. So, like, I have mm-hmm. like podcast posts. I have a bunch that go up uh, a lot, but uh, there, there's a bunch. There's a bunch. And thank you so much. I mean, a lot of you guys listening now have been listening to this show for a long time, mm-hmm. been reading the site for a long time. And it means a great deal to us that you've really stuck with us. Like, um, it only it only works because people are paying attention. They care and they share about what we write and what we read about. Um, and we're going to keep doing what we're doing. We got some new stuff in the pipeline. I don't think we're quite ready to talk about. No, we got some secrets. Um, I think we can we can tease without telling that we're going to try a more of a kind of a read along, a monthly read along that's yeah, coming yeah, up in October. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to tell you what book it is because the book. I think I can also say this is coming in the most in the book mail that's coming. Yeah, if if you're wanting to participate and you haven't bought your book mailbox, you should. Yeah. Do that. Um, 
not that you say you couldn't get the book other places, but it might be an extra incentive to check mm-hmm. go store store.bookwire.com for that. But we're going to do every month, we're going to pick something to do a read along. It's not really a book club. We're going to do some content. I think we'll do a special drop in episode of this show, maybe two. I mean, we'll see how it goes um, and sort of take it from there. We've tried some read along things in the past. I think we haven't quite found the right formulas, but we always have people asking us. Like we always are trying to think, and I think there's something there. So we're going to try a little bit more of a at your own pace, but we're going to do some stuff around the book. Well, uh, freestyle. Freestyle yeah. book clubbing. So if you've got ideas um, for content um, and things you'd like to see, books you'd like to recommend, you know, other things you'd like to do, uh, let us know. We'll probably come up with a hashtag or something. I don't know what we're going to do if you want to follow along there. Um, let's do our first one. So Audible. You could, you could do, you know, you have a book club, right? This is going to be mm-hmm. a de facto book club. One thing we've talked about before is uh, we, we had a nice long debate actually coming out of this podcast last week um, in the Book Riot Contributor Slack channel when we were talking about, uh, or no, I guess it was Jen and I talking about uh, audiobooks competing with podcasts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was saying that there's only so many listening hours in a day, so I think it's sort of a zero-sum game. You know, you're going to listen to an audiobook or a podcast, and that's why this sponsor, audible.com, they're getting it. They're adding some podcasts because they want to compete. I think for your ear time, you know, they want to they want to have yep. something for you anytime you're interested in um, this. You know, I guess I guess we'd call it spoken word entertainment. Or I don't like know what the big category consuming is. Consuming audio content, short in a short form, like <laughs> non rhythmic audio content. content. Yeah, I don't non rhythmic. It <laughs> sounds like a new Olympic. Yeah, category. right. You have to have a ribbon and that like giant ball you throw around. Um, so anyway, we had a nice, nice long conversation about that. And, you know, we got to the point where some people said, yes, they definitely do compete. And some people said they don't. Like, it's a mood thing. Sometimes you're in the mood for a podcast or not in the mood for an audiobook, um, which I thought was was really interesting. So with Audible, you can do both. So if you have an Audible membership, you can try their audio channels. Um, and there's a lot of interesting ones. I think we're doing a roundup that's coming out soon on the site. I thought I think I saw someone talk about giving you some picks for the audio channels. Um, we got some recommendations from you guys, um, but also some of our own contributors listening. Um, but you can, you'll get you get access to all those audio channels right there in Audible.com. Also, they have a great listen. So that's just for the their podcast um, channels. They got a bunch of shows. They also have a great listen guarantee for your audiobooks. If you decide you don't like the book you chose, no worries. You can exchange any book you aren't happy with for another title at any time. No questions asked. Um, go to audible.com and you can get more than they, they don't, I don't think they include the include the number in the talking points anymore because it's absurd. It's, it's just like, bananas. It's yeah. more than 250,000 books, but also it doesn't capture all that you can get because there are newspaper and magazine publishers you get audio versions of that business information providers yeah, that number there. changes every day yeah um audible.com slash book riot that's where you want to go to get your free trial a free 30-day membership um that shows the support for book riot and uh you get a nice little you get you get to subscribe to audible which is everything they do there we get a lot i got some i don't know you know an outlier week but several people asking if they use the code for any of the sponsors we get on this show or other podcasts that we do, is that good for us? We want to make sure they get the money. So here's, here's how it works real quick. They pay us um, a flat fee for the sponsorships. But what happens is if you do use that code, like, yes, we should advertise with those dudes uh, and ladies. Um, so we don't get directly the money that, you know, some percentage of whatever you sign up for there, but it, it lets them know that these spots work and people are listening. So thank you so much for doing that and being, I mean, so kind of you to, to even worry about, um, you know, signing up for the right thing. But if you're interested in it, that's what, that's what it means. So anytime we use an offer code or a dedicated URL, um, we don't get percentage of those. We get 
basically uh, social proof Keep, yeah. that they're working. Ongoing business, we yeah. hope. So audible, audible.com slash book, right? Thanks for them for their ongoing support of the show. Well, do you have a recommendation or do you want to just jump into Muppet uh, Yeah, I think we, I, I think we have to get to the most, you know, we got tweeted about this a lot this week. Um, oh, it was the best day. It was a really great day. Um, and uh, I, I don't know that if there was a new Toni Morrison or Marilyn Robinson, we would have gotten this much Twitter talk, but there is a, <clears throat> I can't even say it, a huh, new, new, a new Dan, Dan Brown. Coming on September 26th, 2017. 2017. So I don't know if they t- they want it to be exactly a year almost. I mean, it's weird that it was like almost a year, but not quite. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called, and this is so exciting because the, 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 the <laughs> outrageous like, factor is crazy. I'm all Twitter. Uh, it's Origin. It's, it's just going to be called Origin. Dan and, Brown Origin. And... And Robert Langdon is going into the dangerous intersection of humankind's two most enduring questions. Yeah. Um, and those are, um, you know, what? Ha- why are we here? Um, and what, is, what does it all mean? And what does it all mean? Um, which the, the, the possibilities for enjoyable nonsense are <laughs> so, good. so yeah. astronomical that I can't even, I mean, I think we maybe we can get some Darwin conspiracy theory yeah. stuff going oh, on. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's going to be great. I am so excited about this. And we should say that the, we're speculating about what yeah. humankind's two most important oh, yes, we are. are. Yeah, yeah. But I would lay hard money on it. How did we get here? And yeah. why are we here? I was going to say the two questions really are, um, why are we here? And how the f did Fifty Shades of Grey sell fifty million? Co- those are the those are the two. Those uh, are those are those are the two really. And well, apparently, you know, Robert Langdon is going to make an earth shaking discovery that answers these questions. It's like, is he going to find like a monkey so, missing link skeleton, like, or like I don't even? Where is he going to go? Or like a meteor with like alien DNA? Like you could go a million different places with it. It's just, it's just amazing. It's is remarkable. This be like Elon Robert- Musk is going to shoot Langdon into space, maybe. <laughs> Can you tell I'm obsessed with that story, by the way? I've been tweeting about it like a madman over the last 24 hours. It's been everything that I can do not to text you multiple times a day about just like my Elon Musk feelings. <laughs> anyway. But back to Robert Langdon. Yes. Um, so this is like, I think this is going to be a little bit outside of Robert Langdon's usual sort of study, the like classical studies wheelhouse. Like, we're I, I going, guess it may be the history of science. I think that's maybe where you go because there is some like, religious, you know, there's there's a lot of religious overlap with like maybe the church is hiding can, the monkey bones that prove, you know, I don't know. I don't know you, you can do like a million cradle ways. Cradle of civilization. Yeah. Stuff. Oh, that's good. That's good. Like, yeah. Right. Is Robert Langdon going to go to Africa? Yeah. And maybe he's going to go to the Galapagos islands maybe like darwin's diary gets oh, discovered oh the finches what if the finches are in it that i read a whole book about <laughs> i think if there's if the darwin's finches on daphne major are part of this i'm gonna i'm gonna stroke out there's just gonna be a jeff corpse like i'm like michelle open up the book like, oh he talked about the finches that explains it that was it should have known respond to this text jeff has died of yeah. i'm gonna need a yeah. I, I don't need a trigger warning for that i need like a coronary warning someone's gonna have to like read the book ahead of time like, like okay obvious. make sure you have blood thinners around just in case the third most pressing question of humankind is how many times will Robert Langdon check his Mickey Mouse watch? And how many times is he going to go swimming? I am um, <sighs> so what, excited. What, what will be the ethnicity and origin of the young ingenue that is yeah, sort of a love interest thing. but isn't really? How many times will her ponytail swing? Yeah, right. It's like it's like a sister wife thing. It's like not really, but I don't know. It's a, it's like it's a weird the, – the sexual dynamics of Langdon and his like com- – 
compatriot. Very odd. Someone needs to do, you know what? Maybe there is one. I'm going to look this up in JSTOR. I'm sure someone's done like a sexual politics. <laughs> Nothing a, begins with, I'm going to look this up in JSTOR. No, no. That, that's, that's, the, that's the rabbit hood, rabbit hole for wonks. There's no doubt about that. Um, show title. Um, sexual politics of Dan Brown novels. Yeah, it, that's, that's, I, I'm, and anyone who wonders, this is all above board so above board enthusiasm like, i am gonna buy this thing on the day that it comes out because you know there will not be review copies no, no review copies and we are going to just be crazy people texting each other I about know, it like that is what is gonna happen what, i think we took a day off last year on september 26th yeah, yeah when, when inferno came out i did spend the day like reading it with a bunch and of you wrote a post yeah of like this is how many times he escapes death <laughs> this is mm-hmm. how many times he checks the mickey mouse watch um i'll have to resurrect that post yep. for uh for this event or maybe just for the show notes here because it was so much fun but we we genuinely love dan brown this would be great on audio next fall yes yeah 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 <laughs> i am like i'm just worried that what if he tuckers himself out having written about the origin of human life and then there's like nowhere else to go you're always you're always worried about that second cookie yeah, you know, the first cookie's none of. You're worried about the next book. Just enjoy. You gotta enjoy this one. This I is, want yeah. the whole batch of Dan Brown cookies, yeah. though. Like, do you think he stays up late and watches those weird conspiracy channel sh- things, like conspiracy shows on the History Channel? And he's like, "Oh, that's it." I don't. No, I, I don't. I honestly don't think so. I think because he gave that big, that big donation to like a legitimate research library in in uh, in the Netherlands or something. Like, he is doing his homework now. That doesn't he say he no doesn't. It's not. It's, he's not a. The thing is, he's not a crackpot kind of guy. Like these are fun. I don't know that he. What of this stuff he believes? Like I oh, think yeah, they're yeah. fun, right? So you know that's how. Like I look forward to these. Like I look forward to my Saturday morning donut. Like this. This is. This is. This is great. This is fun. It is what it is. It's like, great fun, and I think I love it that it seems that Dan Brown knows that that's what Dan Brown does. Like yes. he he doesn't think that he's writing literature. Like Dan Brown is not in a campaign to be given credibility by the literary establishment. He does not care no like, well no also I, I was gonna say he probably has a he his a villa in lake cuomo that's made out of right. gold but he's trying to like you know cause transformation in the church by oh yeah right 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 right, Jesus right relationship to mary magdalene he's trying to be like this thing could have happened and isn't that crazy but mainly this is a great story mm-hmm. it's just so much fun i am so I'm so ready. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to this too. We got to get this guy on the show. How are we gonna? We have to get. How, do you think he'll come on and do a spe, uh, do a special interview? Do you like, think? I got like, so many questions about. I could how bake this him happens. cookies or cupcakes. What does we he could, live, Maine or something? He lives. I think he. I think New he England lives somewhere. Somewhere in New England. And by all accounts, he's a really great guy. The booksellers that I know who have yeah. done events with him have said he's just really genuinely nice. And yeah. that counts for something, too, especially when you're as big as Dan Brown is. Like, what if what if we just like I mean, not to, not in a creepy way, but what if we just like knocked on his door one day? <laughs> I don't think there's I don't think you can say not in a creepy way. I don't think there is a version of that that you just knock on his door. What it's if like, like I we're post, hunting J.D. Salinger or something? I don't know. I post as like a classical researcher and we catfished him. Catfishing Dan Brown is a book in its own. Sure. This this is all very not creepy. You're right. These are all great strategies. I, I fully do not endorse all of them. These have my full non-endorsement. All of these. The other thing the other thing to, to be said in Dan Brown's favor, um, at, at least at this, he's not, he doesn't, I, I'm, not, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think how to put this exactly, but like, he's not someone that like, 
is in the Dan Brown business. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know what I'm talking like, about? Like Dan Brown's not a brand. Yeah, himself. he's not a brand. Like he's not that's not to say it's bad to be a brand or anything, but like I don't know, it feels like he writes his books, he does his tours, and that's you know, that's his Yeah, and thing. then he just like kicks it. Yeah. It's yeah, right, 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 right. Um, which I which I appreciate. And, and I follow a lot of authors on social media and I'm glad they're there, but it's also kind of refreshing that like Dan Brown, like the only time I ever hear about him is like when he's made a giant donation to like some library in Holland yeah. or there's I a follow- new book out. Yeah, I follow him on Instagram and it's like he posts just enough yeah. and it's usually like a very, I mean, this is not surprising at all, but it's usually like a photo of some sort of historic or art thing, with yeah. like a vague caption of like, this is related to my research today. And you're like, I have no idea what that means. Right, and I'm right. super into it. Yeah. So, and, and again, you can do this when you don't have to build an audience. Like you can do this where if you never sell another book in your life, you're going to be just fine. Yeah. But it's kind of a act like you've been there. Act like mm-hmm. a big boy, you know, a, a, a successful person. I like, I like it so that it's refreshing. You know, we can sort of enjoy the books on their own terms, um, which I like. Yeah, which I, like I do too. And I'm, I just, you know, I think we talked about it privately, and I tweeted something about it yesterday that it really was a delight that so many of you it listening was. to the show knew that we were going to be so excited yeah. and like wanted to make sure that we knew. And a lot of the tweets that I got were like. I'm sure you already know this, but I just want to be excited about this Dan Brown book with you. And like, we are here for that. It was so much fun to be like, yes, okay, people, people understand. I guess Dan Brown doesn't need to be in your face because we're doing the work for him. (laughs) That's how we're going to get in, Jeff. We're going to be the PR team. Social media proxies for Dan Brown. It's going to be, we're going to launch Entertainment 720. Yeah, Entertainment 720. I'd go around (laughs) the world twice for Dan Brown. Um, I so would. He goes around the world twice. Like, oh, yeah. Think of his frequent flyer miles. Like, it's, it's got to be insane. Robert Langdon's frequent flyer miles. Okay, quick ranking of existing Dan Brown books from worst to best. Here are mine. <gasps> from worst to best. First okay. to worst. Um, the Lost Symbol, worst. Oh, yeah. Yeah, by far the worst. Then, then, then Inferno. Mm-hmm. Then Da Vinci Code, then Angels and Demons. I think Angels and Demons is the best one. I agree. All right. So. I was ready to bring out my fists about yeah. Angels and Demons being the best one, but no, we're, we're on that I one I would say the only one I didn't genuinely enjoy, I didn't, I didn't really enjoy The Lost Symbol. Yeah, I'll say The Lost Symbol felt a little, like it was too long. It yeah. felt a little phoned in. Yeah. Washington, D.C. is not nearly as interesting as Europe. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, so anyway, th- those are mine. I will be happy, of course, with anything, but if it's any Inferno or better quality, I'm ecstatic. Yeah. I'll be, I, that's that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for. I need to go look up what Inferno did in sales. I'd be, I, I don't I don't know. I didn't follow that. Um, yeah. I didn't follow that that closely. Okay. Well, let's. We got to. Could we not be more excited. Gotta... You know, we should go from Dan Brown. Yes. To the WTF corner with James oh. Patterson. <laughs> yeah. This. This is. This is one of the. This is a strange one. This is a strange story. Like I didn't know that this was a thing that was coming. Did you? No, no. Okay. Speaking of someone who's not who's in the James Patterson business is mm-hmm. James Patterson. Like that, so, he's kind of the opposite of Dan Brown, and uh, in a good way. In a lot of times, right? I mean, like yeah. he's doing a lot of stuff, but like there's always, as you know from listening, so there's a James. Pat- we could talk about James Patterson every week. Yeah, there's something going on. Anyway, so James Patterson was supposed to be publishing a novel, a fiction, an, a fiction novel, a fiction novel. Yeah, you're not qualified to comment on Facebook. Thank you very much, Rebecca. Book blogger, some pitches about things. Uh, James Patterson was set to publish a novel about an attempt to kill Stephen King. 
like that's the plot of the book is someone is trying to kill Stephen King. Yeah. And James Patterson decided not to do this after learning that there had been real life death threats against Stephen King. But like, here's the pitch. Stephen King is facing a nightmare. A stalker is reenacting the horrors from his novels, and he won't stop until he kills the master of suspense himself, unless King puts him out of his misery first. This this (laughs) is, I mean... Like, Patterson apparently stated, along with this description during the planning, that Stephen King didn't participate in the making of the novel, nor was he affiliated with it in any way. And... So basically, he was going to go ahead and do it. So he thought this was the thing that that tipped it over to not doing what he was alerted to the fact that fans of Stephen King have disrupted the King household in the like King yeah. has had some trouble. Um, he's, with he's, this. Stephen King is so famous, and he yeah. writes creepy, weird books. Like you know, his fans have done weird. And things. he's out there. He also another guy that's out there, right? Like yeah. he's out there. He you know does reviews. He's active on Twitter. He makes a bunch of appearances. He's which, all over the place, which like, is all also, fine. All fine. Well, it seems short-sighted to me because as big and visible as James Patterson is, you know that he's been on the receiving end of some weird stuff too. Like he would just have to have been. Yeah, I don't know. Unless he travels around like with an entourage. Like my sense of Maybe. King is that he's a pretty normal guy. Um, whereas I think Patterson is a, is he's in a, he's a James Patterson business. Like yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. So wow. So the, the plot. Did you just say the plot? I was. I don't. Yeah. yeah so and I was to say um, there's something else I was going to say after the plot. Oh. So it was announced like last week and then for publication in November. So, I mean, just to give you a sense of the, the Patterson like rhythm of publishing. Yeah. We're writing and this thing right now and it's coming out. It's, in it's, it's I actually just I accidentally wrote a novel this morning. I don't know. I it just kind of happens. And um, I, I don't just just to, I mean, I guess it's better to to kill it late than never. Like, but, uh, but wow. Yeah. OK, so. He says, you know, my book is a positive portrayal of a fictional character and spoiler alert, the main character is not actually murdered, but he doesn't want to cause Stephen King or his family any discomfort. So out of respect, I have decided not to publish The Murder of Stephen King. Now, buried in this piece that we're reading from The Guardian is a note that back in 2009, Stephen King described James Patterson as a terrible writer. Terrible writer. writer. Like, is this shade... I don't even, could you even call writing a book about killing somebody shit? I don't even know what that is. Like, that's a full eclipse of the moon. That's a solar (laughs) eclipse. This is full revenge fantasy. Yeah, revenge fantasy. The the thing I was saying offline is like, I can't believe that this book got this far. Like, does James Patterson, this is terrible idea committee. It's not even kind of bad idea. This doesn't even come out of bad idea committee. It doesn't get out of committee. If you have some sense, you don't even like no. say this idea out loud to your people. But it really makes me question James Patterson's people. Like in my world, if I have an idea this terrible, I hope that someone is going to be like, girl. Well, I said, in, <laughs> I cannot. also said, I said to you, I think, or to some of the people at, um, at work, this is George Lucas syndrome, right? Where mm-hmm. you have so much power and you've like, to their credit, I think, uh, to a large part, retain creative control over what they do. They are sort of virtually creatively independent, which is... In books, it's easier, but in movies, it's impossible because of the funding situation. Both Patterson could do both. It's like the bad, the the real, you know, if you have as many ideas as someone like Patterson does, and that's putting it charitably with, you know, as many books as gets published, the scatter plot, some of them are going to be bad ideas. Mm -hmm. But with no filter, there's, you know, you're going to get stuff like this, that this just shouldn't happen. Any creative person needs a filter. Everybody needs good advisors. 
Especially, not, I don't think it's a bad idea for a novel, though. It's kind of a fun idea, right? Though, like, not not the the king, like the specificity of it, but like there's a yeah. horror writer and they're kind of doing the right, things like, that they've talked yes. about. Like, yeah, that's not a bad this idea a, for a horror a, novel. At it's least. an interesting setup for a horror novel if you give the main character a different name. And King himself has has used sort of that trope in Misery, right? Where sure. a, a deranged fan like does some damage to the to the writer. So. King himself doesn't think that that's out of bounds of like yeah, playing with that relationship. Fan, yeah. yeah, deranged fan goes after star is its own like subgenre of mm-hmm. horror and thriller, you know, books and movies too. Like this is not an untested idea, but it like to make it about a real person that you don't have a relationship with or permission from. Yeah. it sounds like, and that you've had at least some sort of tension with. In the past, like, just uh, how did this make it out of the room? I also think it's weird, and I I don't know as much about copyright and intellectual property as I should, um, but I think it'd be weird that even if you could, even if he's decided not to kill it, that you could publish a book using somebody else's name and a lot of elements of their IP, like, you know, it and Finders Keepers and, you know, whatever else you want to use from um, uh, the King backlist. And use him. Like, doesn't like, that feel like infringement? Like, I don't know. My, like, it seems like infringement to me. I don't know. publishing it seems like a super good way to get sued. Yeah, and not, and not, and not even just that. I'm, I'm pretending someone's going to kill you part and publish a book called The Murder of Stephen King, which the title itself, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, the, it's, the, it's the, the crap frosting on a terrible cake. But uh, <laughs> it, but the IP, of, I just very, very confused about the whole situation. This is, and th- it was going to be one of the book shots. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, no wonder he wrote it in two weeks. It's like 90 pages yeah, long. And it's being replaced with Taking the Titanic, a story in which two thieves posing as newlyweds board the Titanic to rob its passengers. <laughs> which, let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, please. Please, yeah, that's way better. Just, way better. Like, way I better. just don't understand. I just don't understand how... Well, this was a thing yeah, I, but you and I, we've come up with bad ideas, but that we have enough people and we don't have sort of the wherewithal to, to just make some, to sh- just ship something like this. We say, oh, and then someone's like, well, what about this? And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, like you gotta, I don't care how fancy you are, like you should, it's the team of rivals concept, right? right. Like you can be freaking Abraham Lincoln, right. but you need advisors who will tell you when your idea is bad. Like your team should be Are, people. You know, that, it happened. I'm surprised <laughs> that this one slipped past the goal. I, I really like, am. Yeah. Like, nobody was like, buddy, Jimmy, listen. And it seems out of character. I mean, I, again, I've seen maybe, I don't think I've ever read a James Patterson novel, but I've seen some TV stuff and movie stuff based on Patterson. Like I still don't know what the shtick is. I feel like it seems a little out of, out of his lane. Does it mm-hmm. seem like these like real life? I don't. I don't know. So those of you who are Patterson fans, let me know if I'm wrong about this. But it's. It also seems like not just an outlier in terms of bad idea community. It seems an outlier sort of in approach and theme. And I don't know. Anyway, um, like, who I, knows if he was even writing it? I mean, that's the other thing about the well, James Patterson. Comp- it. Yeah. yeah, he was sure, co-writing, co-writing it with it. Derek Nikitas, yeah. uh, who's quoted down uh, in this Guardian piece as well, who acknowledges that he's disappointed because now, you know, his book shots thing that he was going to yeah. co-write with James Patterson isn't going to be published. But what's more important to me is we do write by Stephen King. Well, which, I, I think, like, Derek, I think you're glad you missed your book shot with this one. I, I think that's, I, I think you, in the long run, you should be glad about this. Um, also, kudos to whoever oh, wait, got this Here's another piece that makes it even weirder. Oh, great. Somebody from the Associated Press saw an early edition of The Murder of Stephen King, and the detective in the novel who's trying to prevent King from being murdered is named Jamie Peterson. <laughs> it's, a, it's a dude? I, I don't know. That's so weird. 
I guess. So <laughs> it's weird. real similar. It's real close. Oh, all right. Well, um, uh, <laughs> luckily we dodged that metaphorical bullet. Uh, but and, and yet we still got the gift of the story. <laughs> it was so, that's just this is going to take the cake. I think it's going to be on the year in review. Yeah, no, there's no no quotes from King. I, I do wonder how King feels about it. Um, did someone in his camp sort of say to to J. Pat, you know, like who 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 over there was finally like hit the big red button and said, you know what? Uh, yeah, this feels like it could have been back. Like this was back channeled. Most Mm -hmm. likely. I doubt that the James Patterson camp just like came up with it on their own. I'm ungenerous, but I doubt that they came up with it on their own, that this was all of a sudden a bad idea. Yeah. It does feel like uh, maybe, maybe one of the in-house lawyers was like, you know, (laughs) guys, so guys, I did a risk assessment here. And (laughs) basically the number I came up with was no freaking way. Right. Yeah, that's what I did. Excel. I don't. It's 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 objective. I, I don't know what to tell it. you. That's just what the formula, just what the said. formula said. The pivot table was very clear about this. Uh, let's do our next pivot sponsor. <laughs> Bookwitty. Bookwitty is back. They they sponsored before. They sponsored Bookwitty Live last year. They're back this year. So Bookwitty is a knowledge sharing platform that allows people to share their thoughts and ideas about anything related to books. So here's how it works. You you, you sign up. You get a, an account, and you can see a personalized news fleet news feed that lets you see stuff about the books you like and the other people and users of bookwitty that like people are writing articles they're um posting reviews they're posting links they're giving feedbacks about the books and authors they love and the other thing that's built into it is it has an e-commerce platform built into it so one thing bookwitty is committed to they've been around for a while is getting books to people who want them. So you sign up for free and members can order book from around the world and benefiting from the fair prices and free worldwide shipping. That's what BookReady is really trying to do is make books easy to get and reasonably priced around the world. So this is especially great for our international listeners. I know we have a lot of them out there that, you know, some of the deals and, and companies we talk about, they're not outside the U.S. for whatever reason. But BookWitty, they're like, okay, we're going to look at the whole picture. And what do people want? They want to talk about books. They want to talk about books with people they know and they don't know that like the books and authors that they like. But also part of buying, uh, part of reading books and being a fan is buying some books and how to make it easy to do it. So BookWitty.com um, is where you can go check it out. And uh, go check it out. You, I think it's something you check it out and play with it. It's an interesting concept because, you know, what they're trying to do is kind of, you know, it's kind of like, you know, this thing we talk about all the time. How do you how do you harness word to mouth? Where can you go talk about books with other people? Goodreads isn't really a great example because it's mostly review based. Um, Facebook, we all know what a disaster that is. Twitter can be hard to find. So this is a dedicated community for people wanting to share their the books they like and what they like about them. Um, and also right build into there uh, as a way you can also buy the books that you're talking about um, easily and uh, reasonably priced. So thanks to BookWitty for sponsoring the show. Okay. Where do you want to go? Let's go to uh, 535. Um, I used to care a lot about this list. Now that I'm an old man, I care less. (laughs) Um, The National Book Book Foundation every year uh, announces their 535 honorees. Um, Basically, you have to be under 35, and we think – you're great as a writer, right? Yeah, it, is that you know, as simple as it's that? A, like, it's a curated grouping of people based no. on an arbitrary factor. Right. I really wish they'd do, they'd do five over uh, 75. 
right? You know, like sure. emerging older writers, like that'd be sweet. That would be interesting. Emerging older writers would yeah. be really interesting. Because it happens. Um, I mean, it doesn't happen that often, but there are enough that you, you could do it anyway. A uh, really good list. Some of the books we've ta- heard us talking about: Homegoing, um, yeah, Gassy. Is that how you say it? Jesse, Jesse, I know I keep messing that up. So sorry. Yeah, Jesse, um, Homegoing, which is, ah, boy, it's a great book. Um, mm-hmm. uh, really excited um, about her career. That was her debut novel. Britt Bennett's The Mothers, which isn't out yet, um, which Next I'm excited about. Um, I'm going to read that one for sure. The Hall of Small Mammals. Uh, I guess this is just for authors, not for books, right? Right. Yeah. This is the people. Yeah. Get sorry. So the the people. Yeah. I, I'm kind of I'm kind of making it sound like they're that's the book that's nominated. But it's the the people, um, but uh, Thomas Pierce, whose book Hall of Small Mammals, that, and those um, are short stories. I read that collection last year. I really liked it. Greg Jackson, uh, and his book is called The Prodigals. And then I'm trying to look for the title of uh, before I say the. Um, uh, I think it's Transoceanic Light. Transoceanic Light. Okay, yeah. Um, from I lost my oh my my browser froze. Oh no. Okay, can you help me out with the last one? The last uh, uh, author. Okay, S- great. Yeah. Um, so it's a good list. I mean, I've I've only I've heard of all these people. I've only read Homegoing. So there I am. Yeah, I've read Homegoing and Hall of Small Mammals. I'm coming up on The Mothers. Mm-hmm. I think it comes out October 11th. Amanda said it was her favorite book of the year so far, and it's mm. still holding on to that title. So looking forward to that. This is a good, interesting, yep. diverse list. A um, couple surprises. Like I don't think it's surprising to see Britt Bennett or Yaa Jesse on this list. Both, you know, lots of buzz around those debuts. Um, the other ones are the dudes on the list are a little bit of a surprise to me. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a great, it's a good way to discover emerging new writers. It's cool. Yeah. Oh, Lee is a 31-year-old neurologist. Oh, cool. Uh, it's published by Harvard Square Editions, which is a very small. You know it's a small independent press. You know it's a small press when it's described as a small independent press. You know, it's not just an independent <laughs> press. It's a small independent press. Um and, and Lee says, I sent the book to the National Book Foundation for consideration for the National Book Awards, fully knowing that my chances were zero. He got an email saying he'd be chosen for this honor, and he thought it was a scam. <laughs> so great. Uh, Based we on his talking- own childhood as a uh, Chinese immigrant from move, moving from China to Boston. When we were talking about the MacArthur Genius Grant winners, I guess that was last week, one of them in that piece was saying that he got the email or, or like the voicemail and had to like stop and have his friend check it to make sure it was real also. That's amazing. Because you just can I mean, that's the thing about emails, like it's easy to spoof, you know, I like, well, if, I guess we know Lisa Lucas uh, a little mm-hmm. bit, so I guess we got an email for her, we wouldn't be surprised, but like... Uh, if I got anything, I don't even know what I'd be eligible for, right? Like the MacArthur Genius Award. Like I don't even like I would be. I would. I'd immediately be like oh, this is like the equivalent of a Nigerian scammer thing. Like I, there's no way I would even <laughs> consider it possible. I guess these people are at least you know professional or semi-professional novelists, depending on how much money they're making. But like they have a, they 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 made a novel. And- um, I'm as I'm reading this piece in the LA Times about it. It sounds like each one of the winners is selected. Yes, that's the other by thing that's interesting about this. Yeah, a different is it a different previous winner? I don't I don't think but, so because they're each notified by the person that selected them. So right. um, let's see. I, I think it, um, Jesse Jack- was picked by Sorry, Coates. Yeah, Tony Greg- Coates. And Greg Jackson was picked by Lauren Groff, who wrote mm-hmm. Fates and Furies. Mm. Uh, let's see. I'm scrolling through about how they got notified. It doesn't. I don't think it lists all of them. 
Yeah. Because I don't see how Britt Bennett. Right. Um, how she was notified. Yeah. She says she was in a coffee shop. She and Yaa Jesse were both in coffee shops when they got Of course the they were. <laughs> Probably in Brooklyn too, right? I would like to know more about how this oh, works. Oh, Jackie Woodson picked, uh, Jacqueline Woodson picked Britt Bennett. Oh, good. Which is actually, it's like, that's an honor. Yeah. I mean, that's an, I mean, Coates too and Groff yeah. too, but. The, uh, the closer I get to 35, which is uh, pretty stinking close now, <laughs> <laughs> now, the more I'm like, maybe this should be 45. Um, well, it's an early career award. I mean, that's okay. I mean, I, I totally get that. Like, <laughs> like I, now in terms of exposure, I, this is great for Jesse and, well, all of them really, but like Jesse got a big contract, like that book's been talked about. The mm-hmm. mother's coming out with single two. But for Lee, I mean, this is a... I mean, that's a career. I mean, I would think that this kind of thing is there's a bunch of editor. His next manuscript, um, yeah, he's, he's going to get a, a new agent like today or, or the agent. You know, do you have a, you know, little Brown or FSG is called? Do you have another book? What? You know, I'm sure that's what's going on. Well, with Britt Bennett and Jesse, they're going to get another book published. I mean, that, I don't think that's a question. So, again, I, I, I think there's a lot of value to this um, award. Uh, for especially for this mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I agree. cohort, you know, um, yeah, I don't know, like the 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 I think I want to I want to read the Lee book for sure. That that one I for sure I'm going to read. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, I wonder if it's I wonder if they're going to have to print a whole bunch more. Probably. No. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's let's do some more stories here. Um, speaking of, let's go to the other end of the the Hollywood power spectrum. Mm, okay, good. Um, That's where I was. So we, the, the Hollywood Reporter does this list every year. And I can't believe it's been a, the things that we talk about every year when they come out, like the Amazon list and the Pew study, like they come faster mm-hmm. and faster, right? That's what happens when you're, when you're a thousand yeah. year olds old, like I am. Um, so the Hollywood Reporter's list of the 25 most powerful authors in 2016 in Hollywood. And it's not, it's not related to sales or box office or anything like that. As far as I can tell, um, it's just, it's a subjective list. Um, and, you know, I was tweeting, you probably saw me furiously mm-hmm. tweeting about this the other day. It's it's spectacularly, blindingly white. It's it's all white. Well, I mean, where, where do we stand on Gabaldon, right? Because I know that some some people claim her as not being oh, white. Oh, I don't know. Her, her mom is has Mexican heritage. I don't know how. I've, I've heard a little bit of both. That Sometimes people say yes, it some people say no. Yeah, so, like, even if you include her, um, which is fine with me, because it's still 24 out of 25 for the point I'm trying to make. Um, and I had some, uh, and some of you were talking with me about on Twitter and thanks a lot, um, for, for talking about it. And sort of the point I was trying to make is wow. But also this is like, this is the top of the food chain in publishing. Mm-hmm. This is where, you know, all of the, all the biases get baked in because you need to make it through so many hoops to get here. Um, and, and not only is it in publishing, but you also get through the ho- hoops of Hollywood and Hollywood has its own structural problems um with racism uh but theirs is also about there's not there's not that many directors of color Mm -hmm. um hollywood is uh notoriously um, i think uh nervous is putting it gently about casting people of color in lead roles and unsurprisingly possibly um people of color who write books often have people of color as the protagonists and leads so you have to combat you have sort of two major cultural industries with their own biases built in winnowing the field to these 25. So it's no mistake. I mean, I, I'm not surprised. And yeah. I think the thing I was the most surprised with is doing my own thinking about it, looking at my own list of favorite movies and authors. Like there's not even a good candidate to put on there 
for mm-hmm. as a person like there's not there's not a person of color that has like more than a couple of movies that's been made especially and not even ones that have been made a lot of money like um uh, Karina and I think and I Fagan a longtime listener of the show uh, and and uh, a fan reader of the site was like boy I got to go back to like the color purple yeah and Alice Watt to 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 really think about one um so anyway I there's, I don't know if there's anything else to say on that regard except, man, here it is. Like, this is where this is where the rubber meets the road. It's like, these are the people that make it all the way through to the to the pinnacle of success, at least as classically defined in publishing, where you get movies made out of your books, you make scads of money, and you're the Dan Browns of the world, and these are mm-hmm. the, the Rollings and the George R. R. Martins and the John Greens, the Stephen Kings, the James Patterson. And it's just, it's just all white people. It's just all white people. I really, I mean, yeah, it, it is, just it is. is. Yeah, um, you know, J.K. Rowling's number one. Yeah. Um, Stephen King is number two. And then James Patterson is number three. Yeah. So some familiar faces. Dan Brown, not on the list. I just, I, I, why is he not on the list? But And again, I'm sorry, but Paula Hawkins, the movie's not even out. The, she, the Girl of the Train movie is not even out. Maybe they're factoring in like recency. It's kind of like the Nate Silver poll. Like the most recent polls get more, what, as you can tell, I've yeah. been obsessing about the election. Oh, <laughs> you too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'm sure no one's heard <laughs> about this little election. Perpetual tab on yeah, um, right, 538. Yeah. Uh, Margaret Atwood is number 16. Leanne Moriarty, I was surprised, but that makes sense. She's number right. 18. Right. Uh, let's see. Gillian Flynn is on here somewhere. Emma Donahue, I guess because of Room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's some ones I'm surprised, like um, Michael Lewis wasn't on here, but the big, I don't know. Like, again, it's completely subjective. So I'm not that bent out of shape about it. I'm just a little bit surprised that King, like who's had, has, has anyone had more adaptations than King? Like I don't think I mean, so. between TVs and movies or whatever, it's like, it's, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a Stephen King uh, adaptation. Um, I'm surprised Ludlum isn't on here. There's like 10,000 mm-hmm. Bourne movies. And I, maybe, I mean, again, I guess it's like someone's anticipating that, you know, uh, E.L. James has one movie out and there's another one coming, blah, blah, blah. Oh, Michael I Lewis, think, I'm sorry, is on here. I just skipped over him. He's number six. My mistake. My mistake. I think there's some like uh, just having your face around townness that might be playing into this too. Like Maria Semple is number 25 on the list. Mm-hmm. She came, she comes out of Hollywood. She, you know, wrote for Mad About You and she was one of the creators of Arrested, I think creators or writers for Arrested Development. Mm-hmm. But the big number that they list here is that she spent 52 weeks on the best sell- the New York Times bestseller list for Where Do You Go, Bernadette? Um, and they've got film rights for Bernadette in the works, but like we haven't seen anything. There's not been casting. That movie, you know, with rights being yeah, sold. That's As weird. you talked about, that movie may or may 25? not ever. Matthew fall- Quick is seven. His yeah. book was Silver Linings Playbook that came yeah. out like four years ago. This is, it's like, it's a weird I mean, this, list. this is what happens when they're like, we have some feelings. Let's make a top 25 list. Yeah. Like yeah. Emma Donahue room was the only, like it was a big success and I she got guess, an Oscar nomination, right. but it's her only movie. Well, where's Andy Weir? Like if you're going to put Andy <laughs> Weir has to be above Matthew quick. Yeah. Andy Weir's not on the list. Gillian Flynn is. Yeah, um, I guess. It's and it's David Gran. What is David Gran doing? Not, I mean, the Lost City of Z is coming out this year, but it's not out yet. No, it's it's a it's a this you know what? This is a this is a oh, Ernie Klein. The the movie's not even out. Let's reject this list. Yeah, Jeff. Well, you know what? Um, let this this list is uh, unofficial. Yep. Un, I, this is just this is an unofficial list. I don't <laughs> like this list. So let's I didn't I didn't like it, but I wasn't surprised by the diversity problem. But you know what? Yeah. The the rest of it, no. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. One might even exclaim, what the Dickens? What the Dickens? Tell me what, what the Dickens? <laughs> Still making Which, movies out of Dickens, by the way. I apologize for that shoehorn segue. No, I like it. Do it. Tell, me about, the, tell me about this. Tell me about uh, this. Our next sponsor is What the Dickens? Distinctly Dickensian Words and How to Use Them by Brian Kozlowski. He is a Dickens scholar, and in the book, he goes deep into the canon of Dickens mm. to find unusual words and phrases and explain their origins, their use, and more. Uh, so over his career, Charles Dickens wrote 15 novels, hundreds of short stories, and he had piles of personal letters. And Brian Kozlowski has been through all of them. He is a Dickens junkie like none other before him. He digs through close to 5 million words that Dickens wrote in his lifetime to take a romp through the twisty alleyways of Victorian vernacular. Uh, so he goes on the et etymological trail of phrases like fogel hunters, which is from Oliver Twist. Mm. Dining at a slap bang in Bleak House or taking care not to get burked, which happens in the Pickwick Papers and which someone uh, helpfully explained to me on Twitter because uh, the book sponsored all the books this week too. Mm. getting burked means getting murdered. Uh, so the burking of Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tired that that's funny. <laughs> oh, that was some shit. Shit. Um, and after this, I'll go off and write my novel about a, a, a literary website editor yes. who gets a weird set of emails. Yes. Right. <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, so What the Dickens includes 200 words alongside commentary from uh, Brian Kozlowski. And there are also 30 duotoned illustrations. Uh, so I think this is perfect for your Dickens fans, for mm -hmm. your language lovers. It's going to be a good thing to keep an eye out for going into the holidays as well. Uh, dive into What the Dickens by Brian Kozlowski. It's out now. You can get it wherever books are sold, or we will have a link to it in the show notes. Um, let's do Hero of the Week. Yeah, we got two, like, uh, hero follow-ups. Basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, first is um, in our beloved Kansas City. Mm -hmm. Steve Wolfolk, uh, the director of public programming at the Kansas City Public Library. Um, he was, uh, well, uh, got arrested. Yeah. In the library. A, this is a crazy this story. Is a crazy story. Um, so there was a question and answer session with a former Bush administration official, and, uh, and a local activist was arrested after asking Ross a question. Um, and this happened back in May. In May. And basically, uh, there's this story is like they really bury the lead yeah. in here, but. He basically said that nobody could arrest it, so he got a, and he was arrested for what exactly? Yeah, so they had they Would were they worried, arrest him on uh, or the charge? I, I don't. It doesn't even say. So what happened was like they they host events at the Kansas City Public Library, and they are not strangers to having hosted controversial events. So they've had increased security guards present for some of them. They've had off-duty police present for some of them, and mm -hmm. they've always made a rule that you can't get kicked out of the event just for asking a controversial question. Mm -hmm. um, that's not how they want to roll. And the only thing that a person can be arrested for is trespassing, which I guess functionally would be staying at this event after having been asked to leave. But that didn't happen. Someone got up, asked a question that it sounds like the people on the like off-duty police force who were being guards for the event, it sounds like somebody on that in that group did not like the question and approached the person who was asking it. Yeah. And like, we're trying to handcuff him or get him to leave. And so 
um, Wolfolk, Steve Wolfolk from the Kansas City Public Library. He's the um, director of public programming, like got in between the attendee and the guards. And uh, he explains like he had his hands by his side. He was being very calm and they cuffed him too. Yeah. So Wolfolk was charged with interfering in the arrest of the, the speaker, this guy named Rotha Kushel. Um, and Kushel was, uh, Rotha Kushel was charged with trespassing and resisting arrest, which is, this which, is a bonkers, this yeah, is a bonkers story. It sounds like, you know, they knew someone might cause trouble right. at this event. And so Wolfolk was standing off stage in a place where he could like make eye contact with the guards and give them a signal if there was someone that he wanted to remove. And he did not give this signal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the guards just sort of like proceeded. Took it under their Actually, own initiative to go after the dude. Yeah. And um, so he, the headline on this is library worker heroically defends a patron's free speech and is arrested in the library where he works, uh, which is <laughs> crazy. It's, in, a, it's in our, a crazy story. This, this is our hometown. This is the library I got married yeah, in. Yeah, the, 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 the library my mom performed your wedding ceremony. <laughs> Does, do the listeners know this story? Have we told this story? Um, I don't I don't know if we've told that story. Yeah, we didn't know this, but my, my mom, she's a pastor in the Kansas City area and uh, <laughs> performed Rebecca's marriage to, to her, her darling Bob. Like and before, before, like, we, before you and I knew each other. It was like two years before book yeah. grade. And we didn't realize didn't it for a, a long time either. I didn't even have a blog Like yet. one day you like sent me this picture. I was like, is that your mom? I'm like, what is happening? I'm never going to forget that. No. Day. You were like, this is what it looks this like is, to stare into it. Stare, stare into the abyss. <laughs> See time fold in on itself. Um, yeah, so, anyway. <laughs> this is an insane story at it's any moment. It's a great moment. library, beautiful library. library. But like the director of the library event got arrested at the event he was directing. I mean, clearly the the whatever 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 the uh, security people uh, were they just they were off just the off the chain here, like just really grabbing people and slamming into walls and char- resisting arrest. I mean, good lord! I mean, that is. Look, I know this stuff is in the news, and I don't really want to get into it now. But resisting arrest is like one of them and there's you certainly shouldn't attack a police officer we all know that but they always it's always they it's always slapping a resisting arrest right interfering with the arrest of someone mm-hmm. who's illegally getting i mean it's all yeah like this guy's this doing is all his, this is all garbage he's this is doing all his job saying i'm the director of this event and i don't want this man yeah removed. don't arrest him yeah i no one asked you like you, you don't I, I don't i don't know enough about this but i don't think police can just say they can just they can't come into your thing and just decide who's trespassing against your will as the owner or operator property. <laughs> like, like does they, it say director behind your name? Yeah, like who gave you who who says that you can decide who is trespassing in this particular building? It's it's a, a crazy story. Um so good job. Um Yes. Good um, job, Steve Wolfolk. Steve We're Wolfolk. sorry that happened to you. Yeah, I, I really I really am. Um, um quick Follow up from a previous hero yeah. of the week, um, Marley Diaz, who we've talked about, I think a few times. She started mm-hmm. the hashtag one thousand Black Girl Books um, to collect books uh, for girls that, that contain stories of women of color. She's a remarkable girl. She's eleven years old, and now she is writing uh, her own, like basically running her own zine inside of lmagazine.com. Um, mm. So. I mean, and she looks like they have photos of her. She's like so put together. She's running an editorial meeting. Uh, I've, so she popped up on my Instagram feed this week at an event. I think it, that was held at Housing Works um, with a few other women of color that are influential in publishing. And this is awesome. Like this little, she's an 11 year old girl. She is 
taking charge uh, to change the shape of literary activism for people her own age and publishing is picking up on it. It's Mm. rad. Cool. Yeah. Congratulations to her. Um, Curious to see what comes out of that. Uh, That's our show. Yep. It's Dan Brown week. Um, Go somewhere. um, uh, Look at art. Let us all um, wear tweed jackets yeah, together. Yeah, wear, wear a tweed jacket. I was in, um, where was I? I was in a bookstore around here the other day, and there was this giant, there was, I don't know if it was a premonition, but it was a big, it was a huge book called The Book of Symbols. <laughs> that looked like a fake book that would be up in a movie. You know, um, it should have uh, Robert Langdon. Like Robert Langdon takes the it's book like of a, symbols It's like this big, black, huge hardcover with like a really like stark white like vaguely sexually suggestive symbol on the cover. <laughs> I was like, is this a prop book for for Inferno? Like, what is this? You know, now the timing of the YA edition of the Da Vinci Code makes a little more sense. Oh, uh-huh. mm-hmm. oh well done, it's Inspector Shinsky. It's like Dan Brown needs more visibility. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, anyway, okay. I, actually, that's the surprise is I'm Robert Langdon. Yeah, that, that would be a surprise. Um, so thanks to our, our sponsors of the week, Audible, BookWitty, and What the Dickens. Check all those out, bookwritelive.com. Also check out. Um, and always, thanks, you guys, for as much for listening to the show, reading the site. Uh, five more years, I guess, is what we're going to do next. 